Podcast Answer Man, episode number 350. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hi, everyone. This is Mignon Fogarty from the Grammar Girl Podcast, and you're listening to the man who's trained more people to podcast than anyone else in the world, Cliff Ravenscraft. He is the Podcast Answer Man. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast devoted to taking your message, your business, and your life to the next level. That's right. It does not matter if you're a brand new to this online content creating world or if you've been doing this stuff for many years. There's something we can all do to take everything we do in life to the next level taking it to the next level. And I'll tell you what, today, it is a good day. It is a wonderful day because I have way more to share with you in this episode than I probably should fit in this episode. Uh, But I will tell you, I've got some great things. No matter who you are listening to this episode, I think I got a little bit of something for everyone. I have two web applications that as a podcaster, you may very well be interested in. These are web applications, especially for those of you who like ratings and rankings inside of iTunes and you like to see who's on top and where you stand uh, among your peers and whatever category you're in. And one that's a little bit more geeky, but perhaps as a podcaster, or certainly for those of you who are more on the technical side of podcasting, you're really going to love at least one of these web apps, if not both of them. Also, today I'm going to be talking about 10 common mistakes that new podcasters make, why I consider them to be mistakes, and also what to do if you have already found yourself with a podcast and you've made these mistakes yourself. So we're going to talk about that. I have a 18 and a half minute interview that I did with Steve Lankford, who is uh, someone who has created a podcast which now has 104 episodes as I'm recording this. And we're going to talk a little bit about his journey and experience and all of that. And who knows what more I might be able to fit in here. Real quickly, though, I want to tell you that next week there will not be any episode. At least nothing is scheduled at this time. And the reason for that is that I am actually going to be in San Diego, California, speaking at the Social Media Marketing World Conference that's put on by Mike Stelzner. And I have been invited uh, to come and share the benefits of podcasting, why everybody there ought to be creating a podcast. You know me. That's my message. It's my mission to get the, the word out about just what you can accomplish by having an audio podcast. Today, I actually want to talk about 10 common mistakes that many new podcasters make. Uh, These aren't the top 10 mistakes, and I don't, I actually did put these in a logical order that I want to share them, but what happened was my friend Tony Wright sent me an email and says, Cliff, have you ever done anything uh, like the 10 biggest mistakes to avoid as a brand new podcaster? And I'm thinking, well, no, I've never had any, I've never done anything like that. I haven't really thought about it. But uh, just the fact that he asked the question got me to thinking, hmm, what are some of the big mistakes that I think that I've seen happen over and over again? And literally, I've seen thousands 
of brand new podcasters make these mistakes that I'm about ready to share with you. I am going to share 10, and again, these aren't exactly in the order of the biggest mistake you know, on down the line. Uh, they're not in any real special order. It's just a logical order for me to go through. But they are mistakes, and I'm going. what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to share why I think they're a mistake and what to do if you already have a podcast and you found that you've also <laughs> have made this mistake. So I went ahead and numbered these. We're going to start off with mistake number one, and I've labeled it as having a lot of knowledge but having little passion for the topic for which you're podcasting about. I have run into this time and time again with with uh, people who have hired me one-on-one back in when I was doing one-on-one coaching and consulting. I've actually seen it, oh goodness, probably at least three to five students out of each of my podcasting A to Z sessions, uh, which usually have about 20 to 35 students in them. And this is something about at least three students come into the thing to this session saying, this is what I'm going to create a podcast about. Here is why I should be doing this. I have been, you know, I went to school. I have three degrees related to this. Uh, You know, I have, you know, all sorts of letters behind my name that tell you why this is a lot, you know, why I'm the best person to speak about this topic. Uh, I have been working in this career with having this occupation for X number of years. And this is what my business is. And, And what you learn over time as folks in the in that situation start their show is they get a couple episodes in and yeah while they have tons of content that they could share what they don't have is the passion to continue moving forward they they lack the real zeal for the content and so what i recommend and and of course many of you who have been listening for a very long time uh one of my favorite students that i had that went through this was uh, Hooked on Wooden Boats, Dan Matten, uh, Matson. Dan Matson actually uh, came to us and says, you know, here are all the reasons why I should be doing a podcast on uh, small business coaching or personal finance coaching. Uh, and, and he gave his great resume. And as a result of going through this conversation, talking about it, I said, you know, that all those reasons why you've shared sound great. But is this something you're passionate about? I, you, you didn't mention that you really enjoy this part of your life. And when it came back, he's like, well, you know, if I if money were no object, I'd probably do something completely different. And I said, let's ask yourself that question. If money were no object, what would you do? And he came back and he says, I would I would probably do you know content related to mountain biking or wooden boats and of course there's a little funny story that I'm not going to go into and uh, right now but I will tell you that uh, he actually did eventually launch hooked on wooden boats.com and he he launched that that podcast by the end of the four-week session and it's still going today. You can find it at hookedonwoodenboats.com. He's on episode number 127 of that podcast and still has by far, out of all the students I've ever had, has probably the best show notes of anybody, the most interesting show notes of anybody I've ever had as a student or a client. So if you want to see what I'm talking about, go over to Dan Matson's site over at hookedonwoodenboats.com 
and then just click through and look at his show notes. And even if you have no passion for wooden boats yourself, when you see the images of the people that he interviews, it's awesome. So I so what if you've already created a podcast uh, where you have tons of knowledge and you think this is the most logical thing that I should I can do, but it's not necessarily something you have a lot of passion for. And maybe you've already started and you're feeling like, ugh, I've got to record another episode because my friends, it's a lot of work to put these things together. Those of you who are podcasting on a weekly basis, you know this. Even if you've done over three thousand episodes, like I have, it, it it's still a lot of work to to pre-show, record, and post-produce and publish an episode. It it, it is a lot. So. What keeps you going? It's the passion. So what happens if you had created a show and it pod faded? Well, we talked a little bit about that last week, about the different options. And so if you have created a show and stopped and now you want to go back and start up again, I encourage you to go back to episode 349 and listen to all the information I gave about what to do, how to come back from a pod fade. But let's just assume that you are going to create a brand new podcast. Go out and create something new about something you love. Something that has great, uh, something you have a great zeal and passion for. So I I would recommend changing to a topic that is going to be something that you love a lot more. Number two, no clear purpose or reason for creating the podcast. And along with that, having a podcast where you've already got your first episode in production and you really have no very, you, you don't have any specified goals. You don't have any specific goal goal in mind of what you want to accomplish with your show. It's just, and, and you know, this whole thing comes from my earlier days of when I started podcasting A to Z. It was, I, I had noticed a lot of people are like, Cliff, I want to actually let's go back to the days when people were hiring me one on one for just an hour of my time. Cliff, I want to hire you for just one hour because I need help setting up this WordPress site. I need help getting this right equipment hooked up or getting the equipment hooked up. I need help with this. And I would get on the phone call with these people and just in conversation, I would ask them a little bit about them, their shows and I would ask them a simple question and you would you would think that I they were a deer in the middle of the road and I'm coming at them at, with a semi truck with, you know, my blinding lights shining in their eyes. They're about, huh? I never thought about that. What was that question I would ask them? Hey, what's your show about and why did you decide to do it? <laughs> and they're like, uh, you know, and some of them can actually tell me what their show is going to be about or what their show is. But it's amazing how many people launch a podcast and really can't clearly communicate within two or three or four sentences, why are they doing the podcast? What what is What was the motivation behind it? Why are you doing this? And not only why are you doing this, but can you tell me two or three or even four things that you hope you will accomplish by doing this? And by the way, this is one of the first assignments that I give to my podcasting aid is these students is, is we actually go through before uh, it's a tutorial called before you record your first episode. And what's amazing to me is I actually ask people, you know, what is the purpose in behind for your podcast? Why are you creating this? Uh, and, you know, I get some really good statements for that because they think through it. But then when I ask them, what specific goals do you hope to accomplish by the creation of this podcast. 
And it's still, you know, they're they're very much like I, you know, I hope to inspire people, you know, to do this and that and this. It's like, well, what I mean by specific goals, I, I mean like, you know, I hope to receive at least one email every month from a listener who says your content changed my life. That's measure. That is a specific measurable goal. You know, um, I hope to generate. You know, at, you know, I realize it could take some time, but by the end of 18 months, I hope to generate a minimum of $1,500 per month or a minimum of $5,000 per month of you know products and services that are sold as a direct result of the promotion that happens from my podcast. You know, those are very clear and specific goals and and knowing what those are allows you to move towards achieving those goals. So, if you haven't actually written a purpose or a mission statement for your podcast, consider doing that. And if you haven't actually sat down and wrote real specific goals of why you know, what you hope to happen specifically, I mean, what, and, and where you can actually say at the end of, let's just say every three months, at the end of every quarter, you, you look back and say, okay, here are my goals. Did my podcast achieve this? And when you have specific goals that mean something to you, again, it's additional motivation for to keep, for you to keep moving towards something. Number three, going into your podcast with the show me the money attitude. All right, the show me the money mindset is probably one of my biggest pet peeves. I have no problems wanting to generate income from whatever it is you do. Matter of fact, I find that I sometimes feel myself that, you know, how just how crazy my mind is wired. I, I want to look for how can I make money from doing anything and everything. Uh, and and I, I'm very thankful to God because I have this, this mind that, I can think all kinds of creative ways to generate or monetize just about anything that I want to do, including hobbies. Um, so I really, I really love the idea of uh, earning an income and and stuff like that. But what I'm talking about is the mistake that I see here, and the one that I'm pointing out. It's the show me the money mindset. I talked about this very clearly at podcastanswerman.com/occupation. Go to podcastanswerman.com slash occupation. That will take you to episode 324 of Podcast Answer Man. The title of the podcast episode was called Podcasting as an Occupation, How Long Before My Podcast Will Start Generating Income? And I give all of my thoughts on this mistake right there in that episode. So I'm not going to go into great detail, but I do want to say this. When your main motivation is how can I make money, and especially those of you who are entering into podcasting, and you're and you're actually in this in this mindset of scarcity, uh, where you feel like you have you feel pressure that you have to make money from your podcast. Uh, this is this can, includes those of you who have maybe uh, been unemployed for the last six months or more and you decided, okay, I'm going to turn to podcasting and that's how I'm going to make my money and I needed to start generating income because my, you know, and, and gosh, I've heard all of these different things because my unemployment's about ready to run out because my retirement funds, savings funds are almost depleted or because of this or because of that and and they all say the same thing. I, you know, I, what can I do to create a podcast so that I can actually have a uh, an income that will help me support my family within the next three months? 
that's what they asked me and i'm like i don't have an answer for you for that <laughs> that that's that one's a tough one and if you want to again my full idea uh, thoughts on that podcast answer man episode 324 over at podcastanswerman.com slash occupation if if that's a mistake that you've gotten yourself into or you're thinking about making uh, a podcast so that you can go into it with your main motivating factor being i need money right now then i encourage you to go and check that episode out All right, mistake number four that I see very often, expecting massive success from your launch. And oh my gosh, unfortunately, this is this one has become so prevalent within the last uh, well, within the last 18 months. And, And there's a reason for it, because there is someone who was a student of mine and was a member of my podcast mastermind for an entire year. And somebody that I personally coached and and he launched a podcast and he did it in a very big way. Uh, he had a lot of things going for him that many people don't have going for them. And, and a lot of people, some people understand this, some don't. But uh, things that this person had going for them was, you know, he didn't have a full time job that he had to worry about. He didn't have wife and kids that he had, he needed to support. Uh, so his cost of living was very low. He'd had already had, uh, you know, some good financial background as far as having money saved up and money to spend and money to invest. And he went into this with a, you know, he wasn't one of those people who says, you know, how can I do this and have it cost me no more than, you know, three or two or three hours a day, or I can't really spend more than 10 and 10 or 15 hours a week on this project. No, this person went into it working, you know, 12, 14 hour days for a while, getting this thing off the ground and made some massive success. And as a result of that, this individual also created, uh, you know, a, a phenomenon that is not something that I think is easily duplicated, although a lot of people think that it can be and that it should be. And I, you know, I'm not here to say who can and can't be a full time podcast producer where all of your income is made from being a podcaster. Uh, but the reality is, is a lot of people have seen the success that this individual has had. And as a result of that, they come to me and say, Cliff, I want to create a podcast. I'm going to do uh, six shows a week, every week. And I'm going to wait until I have X number of podcasts in in the queue before I launch because that way I'm going to get the new and noteworthy. I'm going to do this and this and this. And I am going to make, you know, by the end of six months, I'm going to have, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of subscribers and or monthly downloads or, you know, how much money I'm going to be making. And, and the reality is, is that, you know, is it possible yeah. Is it likely to happen? You know, and it, there, there's so much that goes into that. But the one thing that I will say is that my favorite quote when it comes to this is from the, um, it is the book Rework by Jason Fried. He's the guy over at uh, 37 Signals, which I guess is now Basecamp. But anyway, he, this is what he wrote. He says, um, you will not be a big hit right away. You will not get rich quick. You are not so special that everyone else will instantly pay attention. No one cares about you. At least not yet. Get used to it. You know those overnight success stories you've heard about? 
It's not the whole story. Dig deeper and you'll usually find people who have busted their butts for years to get into a position where things can take off. And on the rare occasion that instant success does come along, it usually does not last. There's no foundation there to support it. Trade the dream of overnight success for slow, measured growth. It's hard, but you have to be patient. You have to grind it out. You have to do it for a long time before the right people notice. Now, can I tell you something? Did that that statement apply to the individual that I'm talking about? No, it didn't. Uh, were there some circumstances that helped him overcome some of the the going from no online presence to to achieving the success that he had? Absolutely. Was there a lot of the right place at the right time? Yes. There's also a lot of the right place, being at the right place and being at the right, t- being there at the right time and also being the right person for it. And I don't mean that that, you know, it's not that you're not the right person, but are you, have you had the experience in life that makes you the right person? Have you had the right life experience to, to make this possibility? And and this person that I'm thinking of, um, you know, there, there was a foundation there. It wasn't necessarily the foundation that, that this is talking about, but there was some foundation that makes this person a success that, that, you know, makes him buck up against the norm. But, the idea of having everyone out there saying, I want to duplicate what he's doing. You know, I, I just see a lot of people expecting massive success right from their launch. They they just want to just jump right into it and go from zero to, you know, 60 and in, in 2.1 seconds. And and they're ready to, to to fly off into the top of the ranks of everywhere in iTunes and and I just want to say, folks, I, I really think that setting, I, I'm, I'm about dreaming big, I'm about aiming high, and I'm talking about taking things to the next level all the time. And if I can't convince you to not have the mindset that I'm going to be an instant success, then good good for you. Because it's, it's going to take somebody who can't be talked out of that mindset to actually achieve that those kind of things in life. But uh, I don't want to be a negative Nelly or anything like that. But the reality is, is that most people don't necessarily launch that way and see that success. And it's not because, well, there, there are many reasons. But anyway, it is a mistake. I think it is a mistake to create a podcast and expect massive success right out of the gate. All right. Mistake number five that I have listed here is focusing too much time on your stats and not enough time on your existing audience. Uh, I will tell you that there are, I would say probably every podcaster I've ever known has had a phase where they are just addicted to checking the stats on how many people have downloaded their episodes. And I'm going to confess to you guys, I did this also. And, and, and I'm, you know, this is something I became famous for saying, you know, last time I said it, and it's been a while since I said it, but every minute you spend from spending, every minute you spend checking your stats, you are robbing that amount of time that you could be spending on building relationships with the people who already love you. You know, the, the people who would love desperately to, to connect with you. 
you know, I talked about this. I went to the START conference, John Acuff's conference. Uh, I think it was last year. And there, one of the things, the, the, I, I walked away with that conference with one phrase. And that one phrase was enough to, to make that trip worthwhile. And that was embrace your invisibility. Embrace the fact that you're small. In fact, most podcasts out there, nine out of 10 of them, are not going to come out of the gate sounding great, you know? And and so I do not recommend that you go out there and instantly try to get to the number one position in ranking in iTunes for a majority of you out there because your content starting out, your first five, 10, or 15 episodes are not gonna be wonderful. And here's what I'd rather have. I'd rather have somebody start out with their first episode, put it out there, share it with everybody they know already, uh, and hopefully the people who listen to it that know you well enough, they're going to tell you. It's like, yeah, yeah, it was good, but you could have improved this. It probably would have been nice if you did this and did this and did this. And then all of a sudden you put out your second episode and it's it's a, a good bit better. And you get feedback even more. And by your fourth or fifth episode, you're getting better and better. And by the, your 10th, 15th episode, you're starting to find your voice. But for those of you who are creating podcasts And unless you're one of the rare folks who, when you create a podcast, your first episode sounds just as great as my 3,000th episode, and I've had a couple of those students, there's always one or two of them in every podcasting A to Z course that I do, Uh, it blows my mind, and especially the ones where they have no broadcast or radio history, they're just like, boom, that sounds amazing. But, um, you know, that does occasionally happen, but for those who are actually out there and they're just... They're just, they sound they completely lack confidence. You can just tell in their voice. You can tell that they just haven't really figured out what you know how they're going to to take this content, how they're going to produce it, and and they're just you know just just starting out like it should be. That's the I mean, there's gosh, if you were to go back and listen to my first episodes, it's exactly how I started out. And the reality is is that. What happens is a lot of those people fall into this new and noteworthy formula that everybody tells you to follow, and you you record five episodes and release them all, and then you announce it to the world and do this big, huge, gigantic blitz, and the reality is all five of them have all, every single episode of the five episodes all have the same stupid mistakes, because you put all five of them together before having any real feedback from the outside world, and for five full episodes, every single one of them have the same mistakes. I'd much rather see somebody put one out there, get some feedback, share it with the people that you know, people even that you, you know, broadcast it as much as you want to your circle of influence that you've already built for yourself. But wait until you really feel like you've gotten into a flow to, to really push this out there. And the other thing is, and, and of course, I'm going to bring it back to the following the stats, you know, focusing too much on the stats. The reality is, is that it's not easy to get people to give you feedback. And what I would recommend that you do is spend more time on creating content, getting better at that content, and finding ways to connect with your audience, provoking them to email you, provoking them to follow you on Twitter, provoking them to connect with you on Facebook, provoking them to comment on your blog. And every single time they communicate with you, because you're starting out, 
because you have very few people in your following in in your community, you have the time that every single time somebody communicates with you, always respond with a question, never with a period. All right. So always if somebody says, hey, I just really want to thank you for this podcast episode. Don't say, oh, well, thank you for that encouraging feedback. Instead, say, thank you for that encouraging feedback. Hey, how did you hear about me? Or so tell me, where are you from? You know, start asking questions. And every single time somebody emails you, respond with a question. That way you're carrying on a conversation. Before you know it, you're starting to turn people who are listeners to your podcast to actually long-time friends who will be your greatest allies in helping you promote your show and taking it to the next level moving forward. So again, the mistake number five that I have listed here, focusing more time on checking your stats than you do in building a relationship with your existing audience. All right, mistake number six, not having a mailing list opt-in right from the start. This is a mistake that I made. I cannot believe that. I started podcasting in December 2005. I started Podcast Answer Man, I believe, in December 2006. It was not until October 2010 that I had a mailing list. I, this is ridiculous, people. I'm, I am embarrassed to admit that to you. But I will tell you, the greatest source of income for me and my business is my mailing list. And my greatest method of communicating anything to my audience, besides putting the podcast episode out itself, is through my email list. I will tell you right now, if you are out there and you have a podcast, but you do not have a mailing list yet, I highly encourage you to go out there and sign up for a mailing list. Uh, I share my thoughts on my mailing list provider at podcastanswerman.com slash aweber. That's A-W-E-B-E-R. Again, that's podcastanswerman.com slash aweber. But anyway, it doesn't matter where you go. Just create a mailing list and give people the ability to opt into your mailing list so that you can consistently stay in communication with them. You can go the whole newsletter route and send them periodic updates on a weekly basis, once a month every quarter, whatever, or you could do what I do. My mailing list right now, which by the way, my mailing list strategy is going to change probably here in 2014, but my mailing list strategy for since October 2010 is, hey, if you wanna be notified the next time I have a new product or service to tell you about, please sign up for this mailing list. And guess what? I have thousands of people who want to be notified the next time I have something to sell. How awesome is that? But what if your podcast, what if something happens to your podcast? Your website goes down for weeks. Well, if you can get if you can get as many people on your mailing list as possible, you can always email those people and tell them what's going on. If your site's been attacked by malicious hackers or any other big problems like that come down the 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 road. Even if you're not doing a business, I think it's a mistake not to actually have a podcast mailing list, or a mailing list of the people out there that are following you and your brand. So I encourage you to do that. All right, number seven here, wanting to launch several shows at once. Another mistake you could probably do is trying to say launch several shows at once because launch several shows is not easy to say. But anyway, wanting to launch multiple podcasts at the start of your podcasting journey. I... 
I was one of these guys. I, I, re, I started my first podcast and actually did wait. I think it was a good solid three months before or it might have been two or three months before my second podcast was launched. But then I launched my third podcast like within a week of that. And before I knew it, I had like seven podcasts that I was doing on a weekly basis. And I was doing about 15 episodes of those seven podcasts. Today, I actually, since 2005, I've had over 30 different podcasts, way too many. But what what is crazy is trying to actually think that, hey, I'm trying to figure out how to launch a podcast and I don't want to just launch one, I want to launch five. I want to create my entire network. I want to do what you've done, Cliff. I want to create multiple shows and I think that's great. My recommendation though, I think it's a mistake my, my recommendation is that you wait a minimum of three months. I would be preferable that you wait six months. And why is that? Well, number one, it's finding your voice. It, you know, if you're brand new to podcasting, it might take you to a while to fo- find your voice, getting the technology down and getting it into a good routine, building an audience and letting your audience know that, hey, you th- this content for you is a priority. If all of a sudden you're creating five different shows and and stuff like that. You can't put all of yourself into all of your shows. That's the reality. And what I found was I was actually doing too many different shows. I was creating some a lot of good content. I was doing, at one point, I was doing Podcast Answer Man every week, Business Tech Weekly every week, Social Media Serenity every single week, Pursuing a Balanced Life every single week, uh, Balanced Living Weekly every single week. Uh, I was doing Help I Got a Mac every single week. This is all really good content. But none of it was great. None of it was great. It was all really good. And what I decided on one day, and I think it was January 2006, I canceled six different shows in one day. And I and the title of the podcast where I announced that, it was, um, can't, let's see here, creating less good content so I can create more great content. And, I, and so that's what I did. I canceled all of those shows and I took the best of the tech polog- podcasts and rolled all of that content into Podcast Answer Man. And I made Podcast Answer Man a priority for me. One show, one audience that gets my full undivided attention. And anything I do outside of this is just, you know, it's, it's more of a hobby. Uh, and, and you can have those hobbies as well. Just I recommend that you wait three to six months before launching into the hobby. All right. Uh, mistake number eight Really bad audio quality. Uh, I mean, here's the deal. I mean, it doesn't cost much to do something that's going to give you some really good audio quality. Back in 2006, you could have got by with bad audio quality, no problem at all. I hear a lot of people out there today that are very well known in the podcasting space, and they still tell you today, don't worry about what microphone you have. Yeah, you know, I, I would tell you, worry about it. You know, seriously, worry about it. Worry about it enough to where you'd spend at least 60 bucks on getting, you know, at minimum an ATR2100 from Audio-Technica. It's a little USB microphone that will take your audio quality from a four and turn it up to at least a six or a seven on a scale of one to 10. But having bad audio quality and, and gosh, how many people have, I can't even begin to tell you where the number of podcasts that I've actually seen where from the minute you hit play until the show is finished, is nothing more than a recorded telephone call, which, by the way, I don't mind having a podcast where uh, a majority of the interview uh, of the episode is an interview where both the host and the guest is on the telephone. 
But I'd much rather have, you know, a, a five minute intro and a two minute wrap up that has a nice high quality studio sound uh, or at least a somewhat decent studio sound uh, to introduce and, and think to introduce the interview that was recorded on a conference call line and and, and a little outro to say thank you for tuning in and, and giving people the housekeeping stuff of where they can find you online and stuff. So my thoughts there. And then um, number nine, mistake number nine, procrastinating or waiting until everything is perfect. Well, the reality is, is that I don't really see a lot of podcast, a lot of brand new podcasters who suffer from this because guess what? They never technically become podcasters. <laughs> so it's, it's not, this one's kind of a misnomer. It, it, the reality is, is that these are, these are wannabe podcasters. These are people who go out and buy hundreds, if not thousands of dollars worth of equipment. These are people who spend months designing websites these are people who spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars on the perfect logo, but never actually put out a first episode. I know some of you are very upset with me right now because I've called you out on it. You're out there. I know you are. The reality is, is you're waiting till everything's perfect. You're waiting till you get five perfect episodes to launch them all at one time. Stop it. Create one episode that has something better than really bad audio quality and put it out there and vow to always take it to the next level. Even if your website is nothing more than the default default theme of WordPress and all it says is hello world and then it has episode 001, make it happen and move forward. Tweak as you go. So don't procrastinate. Don't wait till everything's perfect. And then 10 not releasing your file in the MP3 format. My friends, I can't even begin to tell you the number of times I've seen AAC files, M4A files, um, .ogg files. I mean, all these different files as as a as an audio podcast. And the reality is, is none of those are good choices for an audio podcast. I encourage everyone, if you have an audio podcast, release it in MP3 format. And that means that the audio format can be played by practically every media playing device known to man. (laughs) I don't know of any of them that doesn't play an MP3, but a majority of them, my friends, do not play AAC files or M4A files and stuff like that. Yes, a majority. Okay, no, that's not true. A majority of the smartphones and all that stuff can play those things today. But there are still a lot of people with old, outdated devices that that they still use to listen to content. I mean, I would imagine out of this audience, there's probably at least three people who are probably uh, listening to my podcast on their, uh, what did they call those? The HP uh, the little pocket PDAs, the the Windows PCs and uh, mobile PC devices or whatever. Uh, I wonder if anybody's listening to this on a handspring PDA or palm PDA. I know that that's a little ridiculous, but still, I bet you there's there's some older players out there that people still use to subscribe to podcasts and take it with them. And uh, yeah, put it on an MP3 file. So, yeah, those are the things there. I'll tell you what, uh, we we need to run into this interview, and then after the interview, I'll close the podcast with those web apps that I 
told you I would share, but uh, let me just set this up for you. This is Steve Lankford that I'm getting ready to talk to. I recorded this actually right before I hit the record button uh, for what I'm recording right now. And in this conversation, I talk with Steve Lankford, who was a podcasting A to Z uh, student from 2011, and he recently emailed me to tell me that he has now produced over 100 episodes for his current podcast, and he's even created another podcast out there with more than 70 episodes. So we're going to see what's going on in Steve's world, and I'll send you over to that interview right now. Hey, Steve, I am so excited to have you on the show today. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Cliff. Thank you so much. I'm excited that you invited me because I love talking about what I do. <laughs> well, that, that's what always makes a great podcaster, somebody who not only likes to talk, but also likes to talk about what they do. Uh, I brought you on the show because you have recently emailed me to talk about a very special uh, milestone that you reached with a podcast that you launched a couple years ago, the Health Quest podcast. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I took part in your A to Z podcasting course because I was frustrated so much with what I had been trying to do online. I had been streaming to the internet since 1999. So I go way back in wanting to do this. This came out of a radio show that I do still locally here almost 20 years now in Northeast Wisconsin called HealthQuest Radio Show. And I have a high opinion of myself and what I do in this radio show. And I was always frustrated that it only lasted an hour and then it was gone. So when the internet started coming about, I wanted to stream. And so I did so in a very crude manner back in the, at that time using a program called Front Page. So I created a website to stream this. And while it was just very minutely successful in my own area, I never had an audience. And it wasn't too long before the internet just went way past my capabilities. And so I hired a programmer to create a website. And I spent four years and a lot of money creating a site that still wasn't doing very well for me. And so I knew there had to be a change. Fortunately, at the same time, I was having some audio problems. And I went searching for a way to improve my audio quality. And I found your uh, YouTube on Mix Minus. And I went, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. This is a big help. And so I went to your podcast site, and it was just before you were starting one of your sessions, A to Z podcasting course. And so you were just going to have your two-hour introduction. I think this was like your second time to play this introduction to podcasting where you touched upon so many of these elements. So I watched that course, and within a matter of days from not knowing what a podcast was, much less how to go about doing it, I was immersed in your class. And it was through your class that before the end, I was able to accomplish your charge to your students, which is have a podcast up and running. Now, I admit that I had a lot of previous content. So I had a running start. I had been recording my interviews for years and had been using them online. So I had content. I had the idea of what I wanted to do. I was just frustrated with the tools that I knew of. 
And by taking your course, it just all fell into place. And so it was the perfect thing for me at the right time. So I was in a good place to launch and the rest is history. And now, if, if I'm not mistaken, you're well over 100 episodes with the Health Quest show. I think, are you 102, 103, 107? 104 now. I just uh, posted one yesterday. So uh, about once a week, maybe three times a month has been my average. Not quite once a week overall, because it's been a little over two years now. But at the same time, I was hired then to produce content for another company in their podcast, and so theirs was weekly, and that kind of intruded on some of my own time, but it was a nice little side income stream doing podcasting. Now, you have launched another podcast that I saw uh, the other day. It had something like 72 or so episodes as well. Tell us a little bit about that one. Well, that is the one that I just mentioned that I was hired to do. There is a, My podcast is based largely on exploring the science of nutritional supplements and the ingredients that go into them and trying to understand which ones actually have some basis. Well, a supplement company hired me because they wanted to produce their own podcast, and that was called Science-Based Nutrition Podcast. So I was hired to provide content for them. So I was able to actually use some of the interviews that I had done both on my podcast and on their podcast. So it's very much a duplicate not totally, but very similar to what I already do with my own podcast, and it's to help them launch theirs. So it's not really my podcast, but the content that I produce for them. Excellent. Now, you said you already had a lot of pre-recorded stuff. When you first launched your podcast, did you do any or a lot of uh, basically recording new intros to line up the stuff that was pre-recorded from years past? Or how did you handle uh, taking some of the content you had on the shelves and incorporating it into your new show? Well, I had several years prior to the podcast, started recording everything digitally. Originally, it was all on cassette tape and trying, and it was, I was recording them at home, even though I was doing the show in a studio. Surprisingly, they didn't have a way to record them on cassette for me. So I was recording them off the, the radio at home, just so I would have them as an archive. But it wasn't good enough quality. So eventually I started recording digitally in the studio doing live shows. And so that's where I started with my content. So I would take that content and I would edit it. So I would change the openings and the closings. And I began to edit my own speech because I discovered when I went back to listen that I really had some poor speech patterns, a lot of ums, a lot of you knows, a lot of the, 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 you know, triple speak words. And so I didn't like that. So I embarked on a process of editing my interviews because I wanted them to have a quality sound and longevity. My site is designed to keep these interviews available and to the public. And so I'm getting ongoing hits on older content. So I wanted everything to have a high quality sound to it because eventually my goal was to monetize the site and I wanted to make sure that everything I could do to make it high quality sound that I would do. And so I edited those interviews and that's what I used as my initial content. But even at that time, I was still doing radio shows, so I was still creating new content as I went along. 
and I had transitioned from recording in the studio to actually setting up my own studio so I could record at home and then just send them the digital file. And then I had a digital file in hand that I could use on the podcast as well. So it all just sort of came together and all the different elements seemed to work well for me. I like that. So would you say that the the, the podcast, the, your own personal podcast, the Health Quest podcast, is that a show, is it basically a syndication of your radio show or would you consider your radio show a syndication of your podcast at this point? The radio show is now a syndication of the podcast. All my content is generated for the podcast because I don't have time limitations. My radio show is just a half hour and so I have to fit everything in that. But with the podcast, time is not a constraint. So I may go 30 or 40 minutes, and then I will edit down in order to use that content on the radio show. So yes, everything is geared towards the podcast now, and it might not be too much longer before I may leave the local radio market. That's a distinct possibility for the not too distant future. You know that, that I've actually worked with a lot of radio professionals and and a lot of people. I've seen many of them go in that route where they start off on radio, transition into syndicating the radio show into a podcast. Then that reverses where they're actually syndicating the podcast to the radio station, and then they realize, hmm, do I really need the radio station at this point? Uh, well, I think radio certainly has its place, and I've, I've gotten a lot of benefit out of it because I have a local business that was facilitated by the local radio show. But I've now spent a couple of years educating that audience that there is more content on the podcast and that they can listen to 20 minutes on the radio show and then go to the podcast and listen to the rest of it and that there is even content on the podcast that never makes it to the radio show. So if they want to hear the most from me, if they like what they do, they're going to go to the podcast. That's my hope. Yeah. And you mentioned a good point there. The one area where I do think radio does help out is in in a geographic, if you have a geographic based uh, location for your business. So if you're a local business, you have a brick and mortar store or a place where they can come and meet with you personally, and you're trying to reach people in your local geographic area, it, that is more difficult to do with an audio podcast than it is a radio station. Uh, but uh, certainly sounds to me like you've built up a, a whole list. Now, let me ask you this. It's, you started out with a radio show. You started out with a a quote unquote, what you considered yourself. I think you even called yourself a local business. Do you find that you have more of a global business today? And do you think that, uh, you know, how how much has changed to where your offline products are now more online products? Is, is that something that you've noticed at all? Well, I took an interesting tack when I started the podcast. The reason, that, let me say, the podcast does not actually link to my store in any way. I have a health food store since 1976. So I have almost 40 years in the nutrition business. And so I, I have a, a website for my store that is just a simple local oriented website. The podcast is designed to be much more global than that. My vision for the podcast is that retailers who sell nutritional products throughout the country could benefit from learning the inter- from the experts that I interview. They could also use these interviews to 
educate their customers. So I knew that if I referred the podcast to my store and tried to sell product from the podcast, that I would automatically exclude a huge audience who could benefit from my content. So my idea was, how do I monetize this without being a selling site? How do I make information and knowledge my product and not the individual vitamins? Everybody has a place to buy vitamins. They're all over the internet. There's plenty of stores. I don't need to do that. But I do need to monetize this. So how do I monetize it in a way that doesn't jeopardize my relationships with retailers, raw material suppliers, supplement manufacturers, and consumers? So that was sort of my challenge to figure out that model. And what I ended up with was basically vendor-supported podcasts, meaning that they sponsor my page. So I do an interview, I edit it, I promote it, I host it, and the vendor pays me a one-time fee for that effort. So they have a vested interest in the content, but then that content can be useful to any retailer who sells that product, and he can use it to educate any consumer The one challenge we have in today's internet world is there's plenty of information, but there's not enough context. So my goal is to take my expertise, provide that context, get it out to as wide an audience as possible, and do it in a way that benefits the the company that makes this unique product. So they have a vested interest in supporting me so that I can spread the word to a greater audience. So that's kind of the model that I have. And fortunately, I do have my health food store, which sustains me as I built this up into a monetizing uh, proposition. Excellent. So so it sounds to me like the the main way you're monetizing at this point, and and I just want to make sure I understood what you're saying, is that a vendor that has products that are things that you would typically talk about or research or give context to a discussion about the vendor, uh, let's just say a, a supplement maker, would come to you and they would pay to be an episode on your show or maybe a couple episodes. Well, it can be. It, certainly, it's my job to initially find these companies and convince them to work with me. Now, I have a long history of working with them on the retail side. So many of these companies know who I am and have done business with me for years. And in the beginning, they were willing to throw me a bone, so to speak. You know, yeah, we'll sponsor one for you. But what I found is that it does a good job for them. And so the better companies, or at least the ones who are getting what we're doing, they're coming on multiple times. So maybe one a quarter. They're coming on and we're talking about a new scientific study or we're talking about a new raw material or we're talking about a challenge in in the marketplace or we're talking about a new study. So we we do these things and the new information on nutrition is just continuing to grow at a rapid rate. So there's no shortage of content. So what I try to do is I try to identify the best companies with the best products, do a good job for them with the idea that they will continue to be sponsors over time. So, Steve, you've been doing this for two years now. I know that you were very excited about this when I first met you back, gosh, I think it was May of 2011. Uh, And it sounds to me that after 100 episodes, you're still extremely excited about this. You plan on creating another 100 episodes? Well, I see the potential as unlimited because here I am, I'm in my mid-60s, 
and I have to figure out what I want to do with my time. There's nothing I love more than learning about nutrition and helping the average person understand how they can use it and make distinctions in the marketplace. So this is something I have my recording studio in my home. I get to travel to trade shows and and meet these very interesting scientists and doctors and researchers. And so it's something that is a passion for me and then now allows me to have an income as a result of that. So yes, Lord willing, and the sun continues to rise, I hope to be here for many years more. That is awesome. Well, I did want, I'm just so thankful that you came on I, and, and I'm so glad. I, I love to, to kind of see where they are now, the students who have gone on and, and had some great success and reached some pretty big milestones. Congratulations on 100 episodes. And I know that not only is my audience interested in the, you know, what you've experienced and how you're monetizing and stuff like that, but I know many of them are also interested in health-related information like what you've been talking about. So, Steve, real quickly, tell our audience what your show is and where they can find you. All right. It's healthquestpodcast.com. And we're singularly focused on interviewing experts on the science of nutrition and how they can have confidence in nutrition if they know what that confidence is based on. So our interviews are just sequential. They're numbered. We have a wonderful tag index. So if you're interested in cardiovascular health, you can go to our tag index, find cardiovascular, click on it, and all of the interviews that have that as content will come up. So we try to make it easy for our listeners. We don't clutter it with other content. We stay singularly focused on distributing this content. And before we go, Cliff, I just have to say, if it were not for you and your course, I know that this would have never happened for me. One, I didn't know what a podcast was, much less did I have any idea I heard of WordPress, didn't know anything really about it. Of course, I didn't know about Libsyn and I didn't know about Hootsuite and all these other tools that you brought to the table. And that by the end of your course, I had a podcast. I was confident in going forward. I've learned a lot since then, but clearly without your guidance and the level of expertise that you brought during that course, I would not be here today I'm certain of that. There was too much to learn, and I had no confidence in how to find what was credible. So you did for me what I hope to do for my audience is lead them through my own expertise and knowledge to what they can have confidence in. And you gave that to me in spades, and I know everybody who's ever taken your course must feel the same way. So thank you, Cliff. Wow, thank you. I'm I'm very honored by all those words, Steve, and and I appreciate that. And again, thank you so much. I encourage everybody, go check out healthquestpodcast.com. Steve, congratulations on 100 episodes. I wish you continued success with your show and all the other shows that you do for other folks out there. And uh, again, thank you for coming on to Podcast Answer Man and telling people your story. Well, you're very welcome. And I'll let you know when I hit 200. Well, my friends, before I fully wrap up this episode, I still want to tell you about those two web applications that as a podcaster you may be interested in. One of them I'm pretty sure you will be. These were created by Reagan Starr. And I'm going to spell the name because you'll want to go to the domain reaganstarr.com slash top podcast, top hyphen podcast. That's R-E-G-A-N-S-T-A-R-R.com slash top hyphen podcasts. If you go to that URL, 
This simple web application shows you the top 400 podcasts in any category in iTunes. And by default, when you load the page, it'll automatically show you the top 400 podcasts in iTunes overall. Or you can go to the drop down menu and look at any category or even drill down into subcategory. For example, I'm in the subcategory of management and marketing in the business category of iTunes. And out of the 400, the top 400 that are listed in this list, Podcast Answer Man today is currently ranked number 14, which is pretty exciting. Anyway, if you want to check this out, I'm sure that you will. <laughs> Head over to reaganstar.com, R-E-G-A-N-S-T-A-R-R.com slash top hyphen podcast. Of course, there's another tool that uh, they have over there that is actually for getting into figuring out what is the RSS feed that a podcaster has submitted to iTunes. Now, previously, I've had to go in, find the podcast in the directory, subscribe to it, and then go in and dig into the Git information to or copy the podcast URL to find out what it is. But I can easily do a search for any podcast, and it'll instantly tell me the RSS feed that iTunes has for that podcast. Brilliant tool. Thank you, Reagan Starr. For creating those web apps. I'll have links to those over at podcastanswerman.com slash 350. And hey, remember, there will be no podcast episode next week, which I could be shooting myself in the foot because I'm missing out on a week to tell you about my upcoming podcasting A to Z course, the one that's coming up on Monday, April 7th. If you've been thinking about signing up and you haven't done so, please go ahead over to podcastinga2z.com and get registered today. Did you know over 300 people have been through this student or have been students in this course? Over 300 and every single one of them have been 100% satisfied. I look forward to potentially working with you. All the details over at podcastinga2z.com. Real quick, thank you to those of you who use my Bluehost affiliate link to sign up uh, for a hosting account over at podcasting or podcastanswerman.com/hosting. And the domains that I want to say thank you for is blogforthelordjesus.com, liquidrituals.com, and WordPress, or no, wordpowerpodcast.com. So thank you to you guys for using my affiliate link. God bless you all, and I'll see you in two weeks. Helping you to get the It's a man.